Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. Hello, all you happy potters. So in today's episode, we're going to be speaking to somebody who was a founding member of a sales development team during the first lockdown. They've got some recruitment experience, so we're going to give some tips for those that are contemplating moving from a closing role to an SDR position. We're also going to be giving examples as to why it's important to treat your job opportunities like prospect meetings. This person was inspired by their co-founder and given great support throughout their onboarding. And we get onto a topic about theory versus practical training and also what did this SDR learn by doing 415 cold calls over two days. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the SDR Disco Call podcast. Today, we've got a great guest by the name of Aaron Baker. Aaron is an ADR uh, at Clean.ai, and he's somebody that grabbed my eye via a a LinkedIn post, which I could say went LinkedIn viral, uh, where Aaron was making 415 calls over the space of two days, and he shared all of his golden nuggets of information And obviously, me being me, I had to reach out to learn more about Aaron. We had a really good chat, and he agreed to come onto the show. So, Aaron, welcome to the show. How are you doing, sir? Very good, thank you, Neil. How about yourself? Not too bad, and all the better for be talking to you, sir. (laughs) So, Aaron, for the people that can uh, hear you but can't see you, could you please tell us, like, who are you, where are you currently working, what do you do, and what does ADR mean at clean.ai? Yeah, good question. So uh, yeah, first of all, as you introduced, my name's Aaron Baker, um, ADR at a company called Clean AI. And I guess just to give a little bit of context as to what we do, um, basically the challenge that we found that a lot of startups or growing companies have is they're trying to answer problems with data, but that information either sits in different departments, different systems, and we just have a platform that helps connect all of those into a single source. So uh, my role as an ADR, which uh, it is quite an interesting term, and, and to give you a bit of context, I think, as to why that term was chosen for us, um, I think our VP and co-founder uh, looked into certain things about the word sales, sometimes putting people off when it comes to applying to jobs. Um It's something that I don't necessarily agree should be a thing, but I do understand the premise behind it. But I guess the actual day-to-day is is similar to other SDRs, BDRs, um, really focusing on outbound prospecting, uh, cold calls, emails, and looking at LinkedIn. But I think something that's really important is is our commercial team is is only four people young. So uh, it is also a lot of wearing different hats and, and talking about best practices and basically trying to make it a lot easier for the next people to be joining as well. I love it. Thank you. And yeah, I agree with you. Um, the the term like ADR, it's something that was new to me when I came across your profile. And obviously, it piqued my interest. 
And I think like with your co-founders and VP, like the word, the word sales is synonymous with sometimes turning people off for applying for jobs, but also yeah. picking up that phone or getting that email, right? Um, but an account development representative, as you said, it's very similar to like being an SDR or BDR. You're prospecting, reaching out, evangelizing the words of clean.ai and data uh, engineering, if, if I get that right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Or lack thereof sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And um, where are you located in the world, Aaron? And how are you kind of faring with the new working from home policy? Yeah, so I'm actually in Richmond. So um, I guess like Southwest London. Um, and our office, uh, when, when we were allowed to go in, was uh, near Liverpool Street. So, um, yeah, a little bit of southwest and, and central London as well. Um, brought up in Essex, always southeast UK. Um, and it's actually quite funny, you know, because with the working from home, we were actually working in the office from July the 6th um, because we had all been hired to start this commercial team. We were really trying to get FaceTime when we were able to. Mm. Um, so the last... What is it now? The last week and a bit it has been a bit strange uh, because we really have just been constantly with each other, able to bounce off of each other. But uh, we're trying different techniques. We're trying different ideas to try and keep that that momentum going, uh, which is really important given the stage of our company and the stage of our careers as well as salespeople. Love it. And as you said, like with Clean, it's like relatively like a young company. Um, then you're kind of like one of the founders of the commercial <laughs> team, which is a pretty cool thing to have, right? Um, and I love that, that obviously you guys work very closely together. Obviously now you're kind of working from home, hopefully not for too long. Um, and you're sharing best practices and you're kind of keeping connected. I definitely want to dive into that a bit further to kind of understand how does that work today at Clean. Um, but obviously like with your whole story of getting into sales, uh, and getting into like with clean, like looking at your LinkedIn profile, I saw that you was at the University of York, where you're doing a BA yeah. in English Lang and literature. Uh, sorry, English literature and history. <laughs> you had a stint uh, in recruitment. You were working at a company called Ripple, and then obviously you've been at Clean.ai for the last six months. I'd love to know from coming out of uni to how did you get to Clean Eye? What's the story behind there, Aaron? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, uh, went to university in uh, York studying English lit and history and um, maybe one of the few people that was actually really looking forward to having a bit more structure in my day. Um, I had about, God, I think it was something ridiculous, like 12 contact hours a week. So it really was a matter of uh, I'd wake up in the morning, not quite sure when to get out of bed, not quite sure when to go <laughs> to bed. So um, just wanted to kind of finish university and, and get into a job. And um, like I mentioned before, growing up in Essex, London had always been on the peripheral. So it was just a matter for me of trying to get into the city, uh, massive opinion that that's where more opportunities were going to be. So I actually went into a job in recruitment before getting my results at university. Okay. Um, and yeah, just decided that it'd be something that'd be good. Uh, the definitely the polar opposite of not having many contact hours, uh, <laughs> quite intense. And um, yeah, it was good. There was a lot of good experiences, met a lot of good people, um, made a lot of mistakes, I guess, that have helped mm. me now going into sales. Um, and then the next company, as you mentioned, was uh, Ripple. And again, very, very small commercial team, proper startup. Um, and again, gave me a lot of good skills that were able to be transferred into working at Clean. But it's funny because at Ripple, um, the term SDR wasn't something I'd ever heard until working for clean, which is funny because yeah. I was a salesperson for a year and hadn't heard the word SDR and was kind of doing end-to-end -end sales in the tech space. Um, so yeah, when it would kind of come to the idea of being an SDR at clean, it was technically, I guess, losing some responsibility because I had been closing 
um, certain opportunities at Ripple. But mm. the idea of being able to develop that skill a lot more was something that I found appealing and, and the people themselves at Clean as well. And uh, yeah, essentially decided that I was going to be looking for a job around March the 3rd this year, uh, 2020. And <laughs> uh, turned out to be the worst possible time to look for a new job because <laughs> the world stopped. So um, yeah, it eventually managed to chat to Matt and Greg at Clean. And um, I guess the rest is current history, I guess. Love it. Thank you so much. And that is, a, that is a really cool story. And there's a few bits that I'd love to pick up on that. So sure. obviously coming out of university, wanted to get that structure in. So looking yeah. for a new role um, and you found yourself in recruitment. And I've met a lot of great SDRs, BDRs, ADRs like yourself that have had that stint in recruitment. And as you mentioned, you learned quite a lot of cool things, but you also made a lot of mistakes, uh, which is also helpful. Could you kind of elaborate as to like, what did you learn in recruitment and what were those mistakes that kind of like helped you gear up? Yeah, I think the the first thing, and I'm sure most people that have done that stint in recruitment will agree, is uh, the hard skin I think you get. I mean, I was only in recruitment, I think for, I think it was roughly like five or six months. Um, but going into doing a sales role where you have to cold call someone or... I guess, put yourself in a vulnerable position, which is what every salesperson does, really. Um, being in recruitment is is definitely a way to get that skin hardened, I think. And um, when I mentioned the mistakes, I think in terms of the way I structured my day-to-day or went around trying to get in touch with people or put an effort in that was going to help my job that maybe was a little bit more admin focused. I mean, obviously Mm. the the common one is posting jobs or trying to come up with specs and maybe not appreciating how much the admin fed into the end result. Uh, It wasn't just the graft that got you result. It was also that um, admin side of things as well. So yeah, those are two, I guess, main mistakes I made and maybe didn't put enough focus on that have definitely been valuable for me um, when going into sales. Love it. That's, that's solid, solid advice. And it's great to see that you've gone through that experience. You're able to mm-hmm. learn from it and obviously up, level up from there. Um, and as mentioned, when you went into Ripple, like you said, it's like kind of your first proper startup that you went into and you're doing like the end to end role of perhaps prospecting, doing like demos and then actually closing uh, prospective clients. Yeah. Um, I've seen it with a lot of SDRs where they've had that closing experience where they're perhaps doing SMB mid market deals. Uh, and then they're offered this new SDR role. And to some, it's kind of like a step down. But I'm really love to hear that you said you were able to like hone in on certain skills more so when you was at Clean. Perhaps you didn't have the time to do that ripple. But what was going through your mind of when you was going into a closing role and they introduced the term SDR and when you're like, uh, Aaron, you're not going to close a deal. Um, you're just going to talk to people a bit more. H- how did you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think to be honest with you, the first uh, initial... F- response when you when you try and go for a new job and it's like yeah it's just the first bit of the sales process it does feel like whoa no I'm, I'm past that I've uh, I've had the experience <laughs> now I mean it sounds ridiculous to say I'm, I'm 24 and it was literally a year within a sales job so I'm nowhere near past that point of being able to learn the the basics as as good as possible um so yeah but the initial the initial thought was that the initial thought was I don't know if I want to do something that's just prospecting and not closing and and, and to be honest with you the more I um started to speak to uh, Greg and, and Matt at Clean and the more they were able to I guess open my eyes a little bit to what the actual sales community is in this space um mm. not necessarily just SaaS but I guess more tech-focused sales as well. And and it really was kind of eye-opening to think, okay, wow, there is a lot that I, one, I'm not good at, and two, really, really need to develop before um, being able to have a, a really 
substantial and successful career in this. So in the end, I didn't really see it as a as a step back at all. It was more of a um, a new opportunity that was quite uh, quite separated from my previous sales experience and and um, an ability to I guess or a chance to to develop those skills from the ground up. That's a very mature outlook, dude. I'm, I'm really happy to hear that, that you've come to that conclusion. And for perhaps some uh, listeners who, you know, are thinking about going into this SDR, BDR, ADR role, and they've had that closing experience, what, what advice would you give to them if they're being offered like a really cool opportunity? Yeah, I'd say um, the one thing for me was being able to picture what this role was going to be, or what this would mean for me in the next couple of years. So next year, two years, five years, et cetera, et cetera. And it really did it really did impact my decision making in, in being able to think what this specific opportunity at this specific company could mean for me and i maybe could have gone into something that was closing or um another area of focus for ripple was in advertising so there was also that that opportunity to maybe go into advertising sales but when i looked into i guess what those possibilities were the advice i'd give to someone who thinks that maybe it might be a step back is if the company feels right, if the people feel like they're going to be able to teach you something you don't know, and you can look into the next couple of years and genuinely see progression, I think it's a, mm. no, it's a no-brainer. I love it. And it's I think recently being on LinkedIn, there is a contentious subject of like recruitment and SDRs and kind of like the expectations they're being given. Yeah. And like being a former SDR manager, I think when I used to hire SDRs, I always used to say to them, okay, these this is kind of where this career could take you. Like I would say it's not just an entry level into sales. You could go into different parts of the SaaS company. Like you're just at the the beginning of this journey and you've got so many choices. I'd say give it 12 months, like give it your best, learn as much as you can, and then figure out. But where I heard your co founders um, were kind of giving you that insight as to what's going on in the market, what happens in this role, what happens in this industry, where could it then take you? And you're doing your due diligence rather than thinking, okay, it's a pay packet. I want to try and make as much commission. Yeah. I want to get yeah. the sales. Like you're seeing, how is it going to develop you further? So the advice I always give to SDRs that are looking for jobs is ask what do they offer in terms of career development? How yeah. are they going to support you in that? Um, what are the potential like uh, career paths that you could take in that company and how, how are they going to help you to get there? Because you're an investment, and but you're going to invest your time into them as well. So I think it's equally important. Yeah, I think that's, um, I think that's massive. I think um, people forget that an interview process is also you being able to interview that, that job, right? And um, if you're not able to get that back and forth in the interview process, I think that's that's a warning sign from the very beginning that maybe there isn't that that two-way relationship that you do need in any job, let alone sales. 100% dude. And the reason why I really agree on that, when I was interviewing for lots of different companies like Showpads or all this, I treated them as if they were prospects. I actually went yeah, in with discovery yeah. notes and all the research on their funding, who their founders were, kind of what their product did, and I would qualify them. I would actually qualify them and say like, so how does this work and what's your total addressable market and who are the personas that you kind of go after? What's the tech stack that you've got? What sales tools? Is it outreach? Is it sales loss? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to know what you guys have got. Um, And I used to walk away from a lot of interviews with them wanting me to come on board because they're like, the way you're speaking to us is like how we want you to speak to our prospects and how to engage business. Yeah. So a tip for any SDRs out there, pros- treat your, your interview process 100%. Like 100%. Do your research. <laughs> I think um, as a little bit of a hint for, I guess, anyone that's ever ever going to be maybe going into our company. Uh, and actually, you see this from a lot of guys on LinkedIn. If you're applying for a sales job, like prospect the person who's managing it, like call them, send them an email, send them a clever mm. email because like... 
you know, I know quite a few people that have been looking for sales jobs and they're like, not one person has called me or asked me or tried to prospect me that that, that has applied to this job. And you really will mm. set yourself apart doing it, 100%. Golden nuggets being dropped from this guy <laughs> from Aaron. Thank you so much for that, dude. Um, and I really do want to come on to, uh, obviously, like with Clean, like when you joined, like, so mm -hmm. you said like six months back, you're, you're in this office with a new young commercial team. Uh, you're getting to grips with this new role as an ADR. Kind of what was it like the first few weeks and how do you guys learn together and how do you kind of like build each other up? Intense. Um, <laughs> but no, it was good. It was really, it was intense. It was, um, we, we actually, funny enough, um, hired out a holiday inn in Camden and did like a week um, sort of really intense training in the boardroom. Um so we were just going through things like uh, practicing cold calls, um, the sort of um, sales book and uh, playbook is what I'm looking for. Those are the words I'm looking yeah. for. And uh, yeah, it was really good because it was, funnily enough, I saw this topic come up on LinkedIn the other day about playbooks and how a lot of companies' playbooks are outdated now because of the fact that we're in a completely new world. And it was great because our playbook was literally written a week before we started. So it was a matter of this being really up to date really clever in the way that we're thinking about how the world is, how you shouldn't change certain things and how things are just still the same way. Um, I mean, our product is so data-centric and, and I guess quite technical. So a lot of that week as well was just trying to wrap our head around, hang on a minute, what is it we do? Um, how, how are we kind of putting this into layman terms for, for other people? And um, to have the people we had in the room um, for that week, was like so helpful. And what I mean by that is, is Greg, our VP of sales, really being able to give us the more sales centric theory behind why you should say this, why you should approach things like this and going through things like uh, Sandler openings and, and going through pattern interrupts, upfront contracts, things I'd never heard of before. Mm. Uh, but then equally as well, we had Matt who was the co-founder and just for a bit of context, he was the ex-head uh, of data and BI at Just Eat and Trainline. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so for, for Just Eat from Series C to IPO. So it, to have his experience, not only technically, but what it meant to be in a company this size and, and the opportunities you could go for. And if you don't mind, the little story he gave us was um, yeah, yeah. The, first sales, the first sales guy that joined Just Eat. Um, he basically was there at the ground. He was trying to convert new restaurants to sign up to the to the app and to the company. And um, when when they IPO'd, he just completely quit sales and bought a Welsh rugby team. And I'm pretty sure that's still what he does now. Just owned, wow. <laughs> owns this Welsh rugby team. So it, it was quite interesting to hear that that experience of like, right, this is all well and good that you're an SDR right now, but just think what the possibilities are and and where you could end up going with this and that training period to have the technical and the, I guess, theoretical uh, outcomes of what we're doing was really, really helpful. I'm really, really happy you brought up this whole element of, you know, the theory and obviously yeah. the practical side of it and obviously having stories from guys and girls that have like kind of been there, worn it, worn the t-shirt and kind of been through the successes up to an IPO, which I've been in a company that's done that and it's a hard slog. Yeah, so I know yeah. like the blood, sweat and tears that goes into it. But I was thinking this the other day where um, I was given a class recently and one of the, the feedback from the SDR students was, Neil, we're focusing on a lot of theory-based stuff at the minute. Like we just want to have like the practical stuff that's going to be able to get us up, up and running. And I said, I totally get that. And my argument kind of back was, um, it's kind of like a car. 
So everybody wants to be able to drive a car by a certain point. But if I said to you, Aaron, okay, you've never driven a car. Here's the keys. You get in, just put your feet on the pedals, change your gears and just, you know, put the steering wheel around. And I said, you're most likely either going to crash or you, you may have a serious accident. So that's why you always have like a bit of theory training behind uh, before you have your test. And then obviously you have a couple of lessons, which again is training which is theory and practical, and then you get out on the road. But even once you pass your test, it doesn't mean that you're an expert driver. It takes a couple of months or even years of course. to really get used to driving. So uh, I always say, like, the reason I do theory is I want to give context as to why are we doing something, then give examples, and then practice with you to, uh, until you get it or until you figure out your own driving style. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on, like, you know, theory-based and, and, and practical? What, what advice would you give to SDRs? Yeah, I think to be honest with you, the, the advice I can give uh, is actually best said in in the way that we kind of did the theory originally. And um, uh, just, I guess, a little anecdote. Of, <laughs> we, we learned all this theory around uh, cold calls, for example, about um, pain, stroke, repeat. And basically the idea of bringing up a pain of a prospect, uh, or sorry, stroke, pain, repeat, should I say, bringing up something that you complement a prospect, bringing up a pain that they have, and then repeating that process until you maybe... Uh, I guess resonate with them mm. um, and, and it was a really good idea and the idea is that you do three uh, during the commercial of your call so a compliment a challenge a repeat a compliment a challenge a repeat a compliment a challenge and then you listen to them and uh, the theory behind that we were like right okay we're trying to get this we're trying to do this about our ICPs and then um, we eventually finished and we, we started doing the cold calls started prospecting and, and getting on the ground and we were wondering why we weren't getting amazing results the first couple of weeks and mm. uh, Greg just come in and was like oh all right talk me through what you're saying on the phone and not one of us was doing the theory that we'd spent a week <laughs> doing and he's like right it might be something to do with the fact <laughs> that I've given you this theory and you're not doing it um, obviously yeah. he wasn't as brutal as that by the way but um, yeah. you know we, we realized that hang on a minute that theory obviously there's a reason why we've been taught this obviously there's a reason it's even theory in the first place is because it works um and you know you look at all these different frameworks and all these different ideas you learn they wouldn't exist if they if they weren't helpful um and yeah we saw that firsthand when we decided not to actually take our training <laughs> on board um and, and funnily enough as soon as we did it completely changed and, and all of us were much easier on the phone and um able to get people a lot more interested so yeah that was that's the best way I could describe to other people. Yes, okay, the theory might be a little bit uh, long sometimes and it might not be mm. the, the hard graft you want to just get on with, but there's a reason why it's there and and uh, it would definitely reap rewards, that's for sure. Definitely. And I, I totally agree with you, dude. Like when when I was learning theories and practicals, et cetera, I used to think, oh, that's a load of rubbish. Like, do you know what? I can just do this the way I'm doing it. Uh, and I've seen this with students where I'll, I'll give them the frameworks They'll go off, they'll try it. It might not work initially. Then they'll go back to old bad habits. Then they'll come to me like, Neil, it's not working. What should I do? And yeah. uh, the way that Greg did it with you guys, like, walk me through what you're doing. I think you have to give the opportunity to try and fail, learn and rebuild and then reiterate and, and go ahead. Um, but as you said, like you got some successes out of those calls. So I'd love to come on to the 415 <laughs> calls in the space of two days. Like, <clears throat> What was the background behind that? What happened during it? And, and what did you learn from it, Aaron? The background behind it was the fact that uh, we were in ramp period, right? So, um, for I guess to maybe describe that a bit more, um, we had obviously a specific target that we're working up towards and um, a, a target that was a ramp to make it a bit easier to, I guess, 
get to that point in a couple of months time. And I actually found myself in a position after month two, uh, being able to hit my full target during ramp. And uh, obviously I was happy with how I'd done. Greg was happy with how I've done as well. And he basically sat me down. He's like, right, you've sort of got an option now. Uh, you can kind of decide to absolutely graph for the next four days and you might actually be able to hit your full ramp. Mm-hmm. Or or you can, you know, I'm happy. You can just be happy here. And it's such a double-ended, <laughs> it's such a double-ended like, question that because he knows yeah. that obviously I wasn't going to want to uh, to sit on that. So uh, yeah, I, I just thought, right, what can I do to try and, get one more meeting i needed to get one more meeting that not only book it but another meeting that would able to be sat and qualified within two days so mm. i was like right okay um email for me didn't work um it's all well and good i could send x amount of emails but most likely i'm not going to get that response i need quickly enough um mm. same with linkedin same with other channels and for me uh, i am very very phone heavy and um i am of the camp that cold calls are great but it was really looking at that method of prospecting as right okay if i need an answer right now and i need to be able to try and qualify someone as quickly as possible the phone is just what that's what it's there for and i always say this to people that aren't quite phone heavy um or phone centric it's the same outside of sales as well if you're trying to meet your mate and they're 15 minutes late texting them or sending them a message on whatsapp it's not going to get you the answer you want as quickly as you want it if you want to find out where they are why they're not there you phone them and it's no different from when you're trying to find out something from a prospect, in my opinion. Um, so yeah, so that's that's sort of the context as to why I decided to do it. And and then it was just a lot of process of how can I make as many phone calls as possible? How can I make as many valuable conversations as well? Because that's really important. And um, just decided to let other things take a bit of a backseat, if I'm honest, in terms of emails and LinkedIn. Because uh, it was two days before the end of the month and I thought I can make up that that work. Um, on the first when the new month started and just sat down and created these lists uh, very manually, um, built out these these companies. And I sort of did a rotation of um, uh, build out lists, build out companies, three hours of calls, build out lists, build out companies, three hours of calls and decided to build out those lists based off of time zones as well. So I was waking up when I first went in the first day, I was doing ones that were... Uh, like Finland and places that were two hours ahead doing those earlier and then coming into more UK and and Central Europe and then finishing on the US as well. So that's sort of why I decided to do it. And I guess I sort of went into how I decided to do it as well. Um, (laughs) But yeah, yeah, that that sort of um, to give a bit of context as to why that came around. and, And I say at the beginning of that video that you mentioned, I appreciate it's not a scalable way to prospect. I know that. Um, But for me, what I needed in that exact situation, it was, in my opinion, the best thing to do and it worked. So <laughs> I guess it sort of um, shows proof to that as well. Wicked. That You've literally just created a whole cool playbook uh, for our listeners there. Thank <laughs> you so much for that. No so my question pertains as to what was the end result? How did you end that month? Yeah, so um, it was. So I was on nine sales accepted meetings. Uh, I needed ten, and um, funnily enough, it was actually the, I guess actually the last possible day, and and one of the last cu- couple of calls I did really, which was um, to a company in the states, and um, yeah, it was it was really helpful to be able to fit more people in because of that time zone and go after people uh, in LA as well, which was eight hours, and managed to get hold of someone. Um, talk for our products. I'd had enough practice. <laughs> it was probably <laughs> it was probably cool, like four hundred and five or something. Uh, no, actually, to be fair, something that's actually quite 
quite important about this as well, actually. It was probably cool around 350. Um, mm. And booked the meeting. I was quite confident about it. I'd managed to qualify them. Um, but I think what's quite important there is that Greg and myself also agreed that there's no point of stopping at that point. Um, might as well carry on a few times and trying to get another one. I didn't manage to get another one, but I then, I guess I finished those two days and I thought, right, even if this meeting doesn't happen, even if it's not a good opportunity, I cannot say that I didn't give it a go. So um, I would have been able to at least hold my head up high, missing by one, I guess. 100% dude and a top salute to that that is tenacity um, I love the whole thing like with Greg obviously doing a bit of reverse psychology like well do you know what Aaron you could just sit there and you could be sitting pretty and happy like yeah. you don't have to but obviously that's motivated you think nah do you know what I'm going to go for it um, and like you kind of strategically thought right okay what do I need to do to, to make this happen um, obviously email's not working for you LinkedIn's not working for you so you love the phone and I always think it's great for SDRs to hone in on what they're passionate about it's good to be able to write a good email and obviously go into a good email but if you love phone you love phone and equally yeah. if you love the other channels then like build upon that um, but obviously you're then kind of thinking to yourself I, I love that analogy of you know like <laughs> trying to get in touch with your mate like you're waiting for him to meet up maybe to go to the pub or something and rather than sending a whatsapp or a text message or an emoji like where, where are you like call them and i found myself as an sdr in the past or even now as an md of like happy selling if i'm spending more than 10 minutes writing out an email i'm like it'd probably just be easier to give them a call yeah um, and i think getting into that mind frame of just you know, executing and just picking up the phone. And all right, if they don't answer, fair enough, like leave a voicemail, but it gives you the opportunity to talk to people because I think with an email, there's no tonality to it. They're, they're just texts and pieces of word, unless you put a really cool Vidyard or Loom video for them to actually hear what you're saying. Sure. I, I, I love that. And you've segmented and thought about, okay, how am I going to go into my day? What time zones am I going to go into? I'm going to build out lists of companies and you've got a methodical process behind it. And as you've mentioned, it may not be scalable, but I think you can take elements of what you've just created to then make it repeatable on, on a smaller scale. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like you said, <laughs> you've gotten to like the 305 call, you've got up to number 400 call and you've learned a hell of a lot. And do you know what? Like you said, you gave it your best shot. And I think that's, a key fundamental um, characteristic of a successful SDR, ADR, of the tenacity to kind of give it a shot no matter what it takes and just see what happens rather than sit there and think, yeah, can't be bothered. Yeah, so definitely. I'm definitely. really happy to hear that, dude. Yeah, I think just to, just to readdress something you mentioned then as well is about that, um, uh, I guess, the, the sending the emails or, or trying to send something like a really creative format as well is I think something that was really key to learn from that as well and, and in the build-up of it is as much as you can write the best email be so creative like no one actually owes you anything like at all they just don't mm. and unfortunately if you send the best email in the world no one owes you a reply but at least if you have them on the phone you can kind of try and put that value prop forward and, and get a response quicker so that that's just another thing I guess I would I'd put out there as well. Definitely. Golden nuggets dropping, Aaron. Golden <laughs> nuggets dropping. I love it. Thank you. Thank so you. as we're kind of coming towards the end of a, a great show, and definitely I want to get you back on in the future to see kind of things of how we're going at Clean with, with your career. What would be your three main tips or key takeaways that you'd love to give to a younger version of yourself, of somebody who's just about to embark on this journey or currently going through this journey like you? Yeah, um, 
That's a really, really good question. And I think I actually, funnily enough, uh, did a video um, on this similar sort of topic for a thing called SDRs of London. Um, and actually, it's quite fitting for what my first point would be is that um, when you enter a new role, if you're looking to become an SDR, try and immerse yourself in what that sales environment is and what that community is about. And I mean, the guys that run SDRs of London are a great example of this, but there are other things um, for other people across the globe, I'm sure, LinkedIn groups of other SDRs and other people that are going through the same thing as you because it is a real roller coaster of a role. And obviously, you've got your team members around you, but to have other people that are doing it differently, have a different boss to you, have a different style to you, and be able to bounce off of them is really, really valuable. Um, that, that would be my first point, is to learn from other SDRs uh, around you. Um, secondly, and I guess quite similarly, um, is about learning from the people that are in your own company. And I know um, me and you, Neil, were talking about this a little bit earlier, but in terms mm. of it never being the smartest person in the room. And a really good example of this is uh, for myself and my colleague Wes and my colleague Emily as well. We all have such different ways in that we deal with things. And I think that was strategic from, from Greg and Matt. Um, but we were able to see that each of us had a certain character trait, which the other one maybe wasn't as developed in. Uh, mm. For example, myself, I'm quite good at when it comes to, I guess, emotional intelligence or empathy on on calls. Uh, Wes is a machine when it comes to process, so mm. really, really grafting out and and but also being clever about the way he does things and uploading contacts and stuff. And then Emily uh, just being able to be naturally creative um, in in kind of everything she does. So not only not being the smartest person in the room, full stop. But at a certain thing, if you notice that someone is better than you at something, it would just be stupid not to ask them, how are you doing this? Why are you doing it this way? Um, and kind of learn from everyone that's around you, not just your boss, but your peers as well. Uh, so yeah, that's my second point, I'd say. Uh, learning from the people around you and your team and, and never being the smartest person in the room. Um, and I guess, do you know what? The third one would actually be something that I don't actually think I've perfected yet but is something I think is quite important is um, being able to accept the fact that the bad times are inevitable and kind of just preparing yourself for the fact that there are going to be really, really crappy down days where things aren't going your way and just mm. trying to come up with a way to try and deal with those or just acknowledge the fact that it's okay that that's the case because I myself and I know other people have spent time worrying about something, but what's even worse worrying about the fact they're worrying which wastes even more time so <laughs> yeah. i think i think if you're able to just kind of have something happen to you and just be able to take a second reflect reassess and then be able to move on um i think that's really valuable as well so just acknowledging the fact that things aren't always going to be golden and it's okay to take time to think about why that is and and to learn from it instead of beating yourself up about it so yeah those would be my three tips Three solid tips, and I'm I'm really happy to hear you've got a really good head on your shoulders, and you're like surrounded by some great minds by the sounds of it. Yeah. And obviously, um, I always try to I want to build this SDR community of like helping SDRs learn from other SDRs. Um, so I always say to guests on the show, like if anybody wanted to reach out to you, Aaron, 
Um, what's the best channel? Is it Twitter? Is it LinkedIn? What, what's the best way to get in contact with you if they've, they've got any questions? Yeah, absolutely. LinkedIn. Um, be more than happy to talk to absolutely anyone about anything. Um, like I said to you before, it would be quite hypocritical of me to be <laughs> really really enjoying the sales community and then be like, but please don't contact me. Um, I'm too busy. Um, but, so yeah, so LinkedIn definitely um, already had some really good experiences bouncing ideas off with other people. Um, even if it's just a question about what your uh, own processes are or if you think you could teach me something, please get in touch as well because I'd be more than happy to hear that. Um, actually, someone that I got in touch with or someone that got in touch with me after that video you mentioned, Neil, uh, was... Mm someone who's completely different industry and completely different way of doing sales. He'd been in it for about 25 years, 30 years, I think. Um, and it was just really interesting to hear him trying to learn from myself and me trying to learn from him as well. And so yeah, yeah. So if anyone wants to communicate, I realized I went on a tangent there. <laughs> um, right. Anyone wants to communicate, definitely LinkedIn, 100%. Perfect. Thank you so much, Aaron. Guys, if you're listening, I'll make sure I put um, your LinkedIn profile like details in the show notes so people can get in, in, in contact with you. So appreciate that as well. And as we kind of come to the end, are there any special shout outs that you'd like to give on, on today's show? Yeah, sure. I think um, massive shout outs to my team, uh, Emily Jones, Wes Amos, um, who are like you mentioned, and like I've sort of alluded to throughout this, um, I've made it a lot easier being at Clean and, and learning all the things that I've spoken to you about um, as much as you're interviewing myself, I guess, or not interviewing, podcast um, yeah. with myself. Um, it, it is massively a, a contribution of all of us um, in what I've learned and what I'm telling you right now. And that's also credit to Greg Freeman, um, Matt Sawyer, uh, Drew as well, who's the other co-founder. And to be honest with you, everyone at Clean, um, even the tech guys as well, because we really do have a community which we're able to learn off of each other. So massive shout outs to them. And uh, and I guess the SDRs of London group as well, who have been really helpful in being able to connect with other people around me as well. That's a lot of hashtag sales love, Aaron. Absolutely love it. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> <laughs> so as mentioned um, you've been a great guest really want to have you back on the show in the future of course um, Aaron I, I've got some high hopes for you dude um, I'm going to be learning a hell of a lot from you I'm still going to be watching you closely out on LinkedIn uh, but thank you for being a guest on the show and Aaron I wish you all the best happy selling my man thank you you too Neil thanks very much for having me